0: Welcome to the Language Games Podcast. My name is John Kaus. Today is part five of our Van Til's Apologetics series. Last week, we discussed the reason for our faith that can be given to any person, and that is, in a sense, irrefutable. That is, the creator of the world testifies to me that I am his child. Apologetics, of course, uh, goes beyond this. It's, it's not just for us and you know, to have to defend our own certainty that we have, but it's, it's to present it to others to be accessible to them. Right to knock down the strongholds of the world. And Bonson picks up on this. He says, It is certainly true that Christianity brings us a sense of personal peace and confidence before God. And this inner experience of the faith, being right and our own coming to be right with God, cannot adequately be communicated in words. However, appeals to this inner feeling do not constitute an argument which should persuade others of the truth of Christianity." That is, the apologist maintains that its truth has a public nature, open to inspection, and independent of what anybody thinks or feels about it. And this is certainly what the Bible pre, uh, presents in all the other passages, in most of the other passages that talk about apologetics. It's, it's it's going out and it's taking down the world, okay, bringing it into submission to Christ. So we're Second Corinthians ten five, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every thought needs to be brought into obedience with Christ. So obviously then Christians need to go out and do this work. Psalm 14 one says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It is foolish to say there is no God. Now, is that just our claim? Or can we actually go out and show this to be true in a way that's accessible to others to look at? Yes, We can. Uh, Paul, looking at the history of Western philosophy, I don't think these are just empty words by Paul, but he actually thought he could show this. He says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? The history of Western philosophy, taken on its own assumptions, is foolish. And Paul, obviously, spent a lot of time reasoning with people, with unbelievers in in the market, on these issues, all right. The question then becomes, well, how do you do this? Well, Van Til, by God's grace, uh, discovered an argument to do this, which we call it the Van Tilian argument. The question becomes, though, as you, as you work through this, is, well, what's, what are the basic aspects of this argument? Unfortunately, if you go through Bonson and Van Til's works, there is nowhere list, nowhere does there exist a list of all the key aspects of their argument. You have to go searching for them. But they are there. And so we're going to start working through those. This is, of course, important because if you start developing, let's say, your own version of Van Til's argument or you want to expand on it or what have you, it'd be really important to know what the key aspects are to know then if you still are uh, developing his argument and you didn't drift off into something else. The first key aspect is that we start with the Bible. Van Til writes... In the first place, I believe that Christian apologetics, and in particular, Reformed apologetics, is not really transcendental in its method unless it says at the outset of its dialogue with non-believers that the Christian position must be accepted on the authority of the self-identifying Christ of Scripture as the presupposition of human predication in any field. So at the outset of our dialogue, we need to accept the self-identifying Christ of Scripture the authority of, the, of God's Word. That's not something we get to at the end. We have that at the beginning. Bonson writes, If the apologist treats the starting point of knowledge as something other than reverence for God, then unconditional submission to to the uh, unsurpassed greatness of God's wisdom at the end of the argumentation does not really make sense. There would always be something greater than God's wisdom, namely the supposed wisdom of one's intellectual starting point. Therefore, the authority of Christ and his word rather than intellectual autonomy, must govern the starting point and method of his apologetics, as well as its conclusion. The authority of Christ and his word governs our starting point. Likewise, the presubditional argument does not first debate the formal possibility of a book from God, but rather begins the argument from the outset with the actuality of the Bible. No wonder, then, that the epistemological position of biblical and reformed thinking stands out in stark contrast. It challenges the status quo, demands a reorienting of our lives and thoughts, and threatens to turn the world upside down. It appears dogmatic and absolutistic because it is dogmatic and absolutistic. Vantil's approach appears dogmatic because it is dogmatic. No one says, start with the Bible. (laughs) No no one does apologetics this way, but he says we must. And the reaction is, well, that's kind of dogmatic. Well, yeah, it is. The Bible is dogmatic, so we, we should be dogmatic. So start with the Bible. The second principle is that these basic principles that we hold, and yes, there are basic principles to Van Til's argument, they need to be consistent with the Bible. We're not going around trying to find some of these like, commonly held uh, beliefs in the world. And then f- because everyone agrees on them, we then reason that uh, God, is, God exists and you know, Christianity is the correct worldview. We're not doing that in some kind of neutral fashion. Okay, we're taking basic principles that God has given us from the world and from his word, and then we're, we're using that to, to build the argument. Now notice, though, what we pick at the beginning is consistent with the Bible, We're not doing this neutrally. So Van Til writes, This does not imply that philosophy and science must be exclusively dependent upon theology for their basic principles. It implies only that philosophy and science must, as well as theology, turn to scripture for whatever light it has to offer on general principles and particular facts. There's nothing wrong with going to theology, going to philosophy, going to science, and using their basic principles. But only... If they are consistent with Scripture, Van Til says we all make assumptions, but we alone do not make false assumptions. The fact that all make assumptions is in itself a mere psychological and formal matter. The question is as to who makes the right assumptions or presuppositions. On this point, there ought to be no doubt. We all make assumptions in our argument. Van Til's argument has assumptions, has many assumptions. Okay, it's just how do you go about picking those assumptions? They have to be consistent with Scripture. Bonson writes, If argumentation is going to be possible, we need not just any presupposition, but we require clearly revealed and universally necessary ones, presuppositions that scripture uh, Scripture declares God has provided all men. Only the Christian, depending upon the verbal revelation of God, can be assured that God has revealed certain unquestionable truths to all men in all ages. In terms of this of the analogy, the new architectural plan represents the newly adopted worldview of Christianity with its, own, with its own revealed theory of reality, theory of knowledge, and theory of ethics. Within this context, the discoveries or accomplishments of the unbeliever can be seen to be meaningful, to make sense, and to be profitably applied. He's, he's just picking up on or building up uh, off of Van Til's position of plundering the Egyptians. So there's nothing wrong with the Egyptians making tools that we then use for God's glory. There's nothing wrong with a philosopher, let's say Wittgenstein, looking at how language functions and discovering how God made language and then giving that to us basically to use. Nothing wrong with using that. But we only know we can use that because it's consistent first with God's word. Then we can use it. All right, so there are these basic principles that are going to be in the argument, but they need to be consistent with the Bible. Got to be consistent with the Bible. All right, there are three more aspects to Antil's Apologetic, and we'll go through them next week. For more content like this, you can find us on X at underscore language games. See you next time.